We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The next thing I want to talk about, and I do think it matters, you do need to see, okay, does the personnel you've just landed and the personnel that you had in the 24 class, does it fit what he's looking for? Thank you. And I think that uh, my uh, my wife made me a smoothie, and it was a little thick. Oh. So she, then she brought me some grape juice to help thin it out a little bit because I <laughs> we'll was like, watch it down. get a couple seeds in my throat. <laughs> so thank you. Um, so uh haven't had a Mountain Dew in over a week, man, so that's good. Um so anyway, Vince, I, I do want to kind of the recruiting part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just make that transition, Vince. Let's, yeah. let's dive into the recruiting part of the show and kind of look at the 23 and 24 classes and really discuss how this personnel fits into what Andy Ludwig likes to do. Yeah. And so and I know I know another piece of this is also people want to know, is he a good recruiter? And I know we're going to touch yeah. on that. Yeah, we'll touch well. on that during this as well because we've yeah. gotten that that question several times. Yeah, and that's why I want to make sure that I mentioned it. And uh, so the twenty three class is obviously in the house; they're not going anywhere. You know, you've got a bunch of those guys on campus already, and they keep pushing back the offensive guys, which is pretty funny uh, that we get to interview the guys that are on campus. That the, the uh, what do they call them? The newcomers, so the transfers as well as the early enrollees. And then you've got this twenty four class, and you know the twenty four class is just as important, if not more. When you bring in a new coach, can you hold on to these guys and can you continue to make headway? You've got, you know, CJ Carr, you've got a dynamic running back, you've got dynamic wide receiver. You've got a lot of guys that are, you know, kind of the head of the class in the 24 class right now. What does this mean when you bring in a new offensive coordinator and how does it translate? I think those are all really, really good questions. So let's start, Brian, with the 23 class. So this class that is already signed, sealed, delivered. They're either here or they're coming in June. What does that look like if Andy Ludwig is the new offensive coordinator? Do they fit what he does moving forward? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, and let's just kind of go position by position, Vince, and Do it. We'll, start, we'll start with the quarterback position, Kenny Minchie. And I think Kenny Minchie fits in brilliantly with what Andy Ludwood wants to do. I, th- I think both, and I'll say the same thing about CJ Carr in 24. Let, let, can we just, just do the quarterbacks just, and then we'll focus more on 23 events if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Cause I think, I think it's important to look at those two quarterbacks because obviously you've got Kenny Minchie. You just signed him, right? Okay. You just brought in a quarterback that we're really high on. Do you have a quarter, a coach that fits is what he does? Yeah. Because Kenny Minchie mm-hmm. is more of a run to move the chains guy. He's a pocket passer who, who happens to be a good athlete, but he's a pocket passer. He's not a great athlete. You know, CJ Carr is the, the, by far the better athlete of the two. You know, but Kenny is a really precision passer, Vince. You know, we talk about when we broke his film down, his anticipation, his timing as a passer were outstanding, his touch. He could put velocity on some of the comebacks and the over-the-middle throws. He likes to attack the middle of the field. Andy Ludwig attacks the middle of the field a lot. They do a lot of high-low concepts, a lot of crossers from opposite sides. They'll run mesh with a deep end, mesh with a kind of stop routes. They'll do high lows. You know, inside guy will run a vertical in, outside guy will run an under, inside guy will run a cross, outside guy will probably, you know, more of a delayed high-low. Because there's if, you're, if your inside guy is running the, 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 the deep vertical, he's here, and then the mesh is coming, so it's a true high-low. If you're running it to where the inside guy is going to kind of run that cross and the outside guys run the end, it's more of a layered high low. So you take it with you and then that end comes behind it. Mm-hmm. So there's in your, so you're attacking defensive di- defense differently. Same concepts, very similar reads. Uh, he can read those type of things, get the ball where it needs to get to. Andy Ludwig does not throw a ton of bombs, right? At least he hasn't. Now, I don't know if he's had the quarterback to do that, but he hasn't sure. really thrown a ton of bombs. Sure. It's a lot of stuff where it's getting guys on the run, throwing like working left to right, and I think that that probably better indicates sort of of who he is in that regard. Vince is is he wants to get guys in motion, he wants to get guys moving. He'll have stop routes, but he doesn't run a he doesn't run a million stop routes. A lot of his stuff is meant to when you are running a stop route, that ball's got to be coming right now. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that regard, that's I mean. really right up Kenny Minchie's alley. And and it's also something that I think would fit CJ Carr incredibly well because you know CJ's a guy Vince that you know he 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 has the powerful enough arm to be able to run the play action downfield shots sure because when he throws it deep he throws it really deep and you know you need a quarterback with the arm to do that Kenny Minchie can do that but CJ can do that extremely well but CJ brings a little bit more of the of the mobile element to the table. Which I think is an important part of what of not not important part of what he does from a running standpoint, but if you're going to have a if you're going to run play action bootlegs and the, there's going to be times when you need a quarterback to step into the pocket and they've taken off and you've got to go and pick up 15, 20 yards and he can do that really well. Mm-hmm. He can also tuck the ball and run on the outside. There's times where you'll watch Cameron Rising, they'll run sort of like an RPO and Cameron Rising will be running out and he'll just chuck the RPO down. But if they run with that, he's got to tuck that thing and run. Sure. And so there's a little bit of element to that uh, with it as well. So I think quarterback wise, Vince, I think both of the next two classes fit what Andy Lovewood does extremely well. Look, they're 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 I think this move from Tommy Reese to Andy Ludwig probably affects them the least. Yes. And if anything, it's a it's a positive for him because it's 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 a little bit more learnable. It's not quite as complex. Uh, there's more 
there's there, there's just a little more to it in, in some ways, but it, it's a little bit more a, a, a adaptable, I would say, than, than maybe some of the other things we've seen. But I think that part of it, to me, I think it fits the quarterback aspect very well. And so I don't think that's going to be a problem at all, Vince. I think the quarterback part is, is going to be the smoothest transition that, that you're going to see of this of this in this conversation. Yeah, and what I what I like is I think all the quarterbacks that are, you know, coming up the pipeline, Kenny Minchie and CJ Carr, I mean, one of their best attributes, in my opinion, is accuracy, right? And it's it's timing. And I, I think that that's Ludwig's offense from what I can tell. And then I haven't I haven't, you know, gotten into it as far as far into it as you have, but a lot of what he does is timing. And a lot of, you know, there's RPOs and there's things of that nature, but it's a lot about timing. And I think that's that really plays up to what these guys do well and the accuracy and timing and things of that nature. So you're right. I think this is a very – it's a good fit for those guys for sure. I think they're, they should be excited about it. And, you know, you never know because I think it affects quarterbacks. Again, if it happens. I just want to make sure that, that course, you know, yeah. we're, we're talking about – theoretically if this happens then yes they should be excited yes. about it I, because you I don't want know. people to think that oh we slipped up and let it know because that's how people no. will take some things we're saying <laughs> uh he has not been offered has not taken a job so i want to reiterate that we're just saying hey since he's on campus we might as well talk about him and that's that's what we're doing i just want to make sure because everybody's always like okay do they really know more than they're in this instance i'm telling you exactly what we know they like him a lot i anticipate him getting offered at some point in time whether he'll take it or not, I do not know, but that's kind of where we are. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and 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 this is we're also one of the things that we're doing today is we're talking in 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 theory, you know, theoretically. If he's the OC, quarterback should be happy, and here's why: it's a, it's a theoretical conversation, a fun one, but it's still a theoretical conversation. Let's go to running back, Vince. I think I think this is one that that is interesting for me with Jeremiah Love. So you look at what Utah has done. Now, Wisconsin, he didn't throw the backs a ton from what I remember. Uh, I'm going to go back and look at that. But I, I think that was one of the things that, that we've heard criticisms about running backs at Wisconsin over the years is they don't do a lot in the pass game. Melvin Gordon caught 19 passes for 153 yards. So it was check down stuff, right, mm-hmm. in his last year. At Utah, they've thrown the ball at the backs a, a decent amount more. This year, Micah Bernard, who was they, – they, they used – they had injuries at running back, so they used Tavion Thomas. They used Micah Bernard. They used Quinlan Jackson. Uh, they had three different running backs with 70 or more carries because of injuries this year. And it, it was kind of funny because it was Jackson who I believe ripped up USC, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, he was the guy that ripped up USC in that game with the two touchdowns. And he he had 29 yards, 31 yards, 5 yards, 43 yards in the first half of the season. Then there's injuries, and all of a sudden he's like 93. Then he doesn't play, then 23. And then the last three games, it's 117, 105, 81. That's your third string running back. Did at the end of the year against Colorado, USC, and Penn State. And so then you you look at it and you say, okay, he was a bigger back, didn't catch the ball a whole lot. You know, he's 6'2", 225, 230. He doesn't catch the ball a ball whole lot. But one of their other backs was was uh, Micah Bernard, who caught the ball a lot more. He caught the ball 34 times for 314 yards this year. They'll do some really interesting – and I'll tell you what, if you watch the film, Vince, their running back should have had more yards. I, they were, I'm trying to remember which game it was early in the year. No, was it the Oregon game? No, it wasn't Oregon. I'm trying to remember which game it was. might have been Florida. They ran a, they, They'll do some really cool stuff out of the backfield where they'll run like – they'll go like a trips concept or a bunch concept – right into the boundary and then just send those guys immediately on crossers. And then that then puts the a, a safety or a linebacker go on a, a really fast wheel, vertical wheel route to the running back. And there's a couple of times Cameron rising either didn't see it or didn't, or missed it. That would have added a lot more yards to, to, to the equation there for them. So you definitely see a lot of that. And so they do throw to the running back. If they have one, they can catch the ball. You know, their top two running backs this year caught 40 passes. That's a that's a decent amount of yards. They're yeah. on the season. They caught they caught forty two passes, for I believe over four hundred yards. If I'm if I'm doing the math, around four hundred yards. I'm doing the math correctly correctly in my head. <laughs> so definitely can throw to the running backs. But then also I think this fits what Jeremiah does as a runner as well too. He he'll run some duo. Uh, Andy uh, Andy Love will run some duo, but they're more of a zone team, Vince zone counter team. And they'll do a lot of things with like jet sweeps and, and things along those lines. So I actually think 
I actually think Jeremiah Love fits this run game. If if it's the same, let's just say hype, it's the same. Sure. I actually think he fits this run game a lot better than he would have fit Tom Reese's duo system. Because we've talked about that. Jeremiah Love is more Chris Tyree okay. in this type of plays he needs to be running than he is Audric Estime. I'm not saying he's like Chris Tyree as a runner. I'm saying the 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 style. The, yeah. Yes. That's yeah. where I'm coming from. Yep. And so to me, when I look at events, I think Jeremiah Love with an inside out, they run mid zone. It looks like to me, they run stretch. Uh, they run inside zone. They run counter. Uh, they will run some duo. I think all the runs that he saw, because they don't run, at least I've, I've broken down about four or five games this year. I've only seen duo a few times. I mean, a game, that's it. So it's not like the heavy, heavy, heavy dose that we saw from Tom Rees, which is fine. A lot more zone at Utah, and I think that fits Jeremiah extremely well. Plus the ability to, to – I mean, they'll, they'll run the running back out of the backfield vents. I mean, and just run them on wheel routes, run them on, on arrow routes, doing a lot of those type of things. The other thing about events is um, uh, the other part about it too is is again we've talked about adaptability. I promise you, if Andy Ludwig is the coach that that we think he is, that he's the type of guy that could is going to say, "Hey, I got this unique unicorn type athlete, Jeremiah Love. Let's figure out some ways to use him," and then they'll go from there. How about the offensive line? Do you see any difference? I mean, look, Harry, he stands obviously a, a great collegiate offensive line coach. It's one of the least of my worries personally, but as far as who they're bringing in, who they've got now, you know, the style, you said they're, you know, if, if they switch over to more of a, a zone scheme, how does that affect the offensive line? Does it affect them in any way? I, it does. I need to say something real quick because we need to stop this in the chat right now. Uh, this is a comment. I'm not calling you out, but I'm getting some of this from – Reading between the lines, we are just waiting for an announcement about Ludwig. No, we are not. I'm going to say it again. We are doing this show about Ludwig because he's on campus right now interviewing. He's not been offered the job. He has not accepted the job. I don't know if he's going to accept the job. But because he's on campus, it's a pretty pertinent information and pertinent topic to discuss. So that's why we're talking about it today. So I would, I would, I would hope that you guys would stop reading between any lines because we're being as honest with you as and not even as honest as you can, we're being 100% honest with you about where things stand with Andy Ludwig. Yep, he's on campus. Notre Dame likes him a lot. They they've always liked him a lot, which is why he was one of the first coaches that we talked about in that very first show on that Friday. That's right. why he's, his name has been mentioned as much as it has. Okay, but he has not accepted the job. He's not been offered the job yet. That'll come at the end of the interview. So there are no lines to read between. Okay, <laughs> I just want to make sure we're clear on that. So that That's way right. it doesn't start, you know, get in the chat, gets overtaken by conversations of when he might be hired. I don't even know if he's going to take the job yet. So let's just pump the brakes up. Nor has he been offered, bit. right? I mean, right. So that, let's, 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 let's focus on the task at hand. I don't know if he's going to take the job, but if he does, you guys are going to have a pretty good understanding of who he is. And we'll dive into more the X's and O's more specifically. So Offensive line, Vince. I just needed to say that because it was starting to become a big part of the conversation in the chat. Yeah. Uh, Offensive line wise, uh, and and you don't need to apologize. I get it. Some people are jumping into the chat late. I understand. You're all good. It was just more of an opportunity for me to say, hey, just remind y'all that this is kind of where things are uh, and and just to let everybody know. So I'm not chastising anyone. I'm just making sure we're all on the same page. That's all. That's all. So uh, offensive line wise, Vince. I think I think the things that Notre Dame did with the duo stuff is not that much different than zone. I mean, there, uh, there's a similarities in footwork. I mean, you're still double teaming in zone. So I think that transition is pretty smooth. I think that's an easy one. Look, he wants to play power football, and the offensive line that Harry Heastan brought in is nothing but a bunch of power football guys. Right. And so right. I think in that regard, that transition is pretty smooth. Uh, they're, they're, it, it, what, what I've also found interesting is like, – you look at the you look at like the sacks and stuff. They have really diminished the number of sacks that they've given up. So if you look at Utah in the two years before he got there, in seventeen they gave up thirty eight sacks. In two thousand eighteen they gave up thirty two sacks. In his first year there, they dropped that down to twenty six. COVID year you don't really count, but in six games that year they only gave up seven sacks. And then twenty twenty one they dropped it down to thirteen, and then this past year was at fifteen. So. Um, they need good guys are good pass blockers, obviously, and 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 I think it fits that very well also. And here's the interesting thing. As good as Utah has been running the football, 
they don't produce a lot of NFL offensive linemen. Okay. And, or at least and they haven't recently. Like, obviously, they had, they had uh, uh, Garrett Bowles, who the Broncos drafted, right, in the first round several years ago. That was before that was before Andy Ludwig's time. But if you look at it recently, Vince, in the last, let's see here, uh, last offensive lineman drafted, you had Jackson Barton in the seventh round of the 2019 draft. You had Garrett Bowles in the first round of the 2017 draft. And then that same year, Sam Tevy was drafted in the sixth round of the NFL draft. So since the end of the 2016 season, they've had, I'm sorry, that 2017 team had four guys drafted in the offensive line. So they've had five offensive linemen drafted since the end of the 2016 season. Four of them came in one year. You had a first round pick, a fifth round pick, a fifth round pick, a sixth round pick, and a seventh round pick. That's that's I mean that's nothing like what Notre Dame is doing, right. right? Yeah, of course. And so these last four years, and there's nobody in their current roster that you're like, oh, future first round pick. Uh, so they've do they've done this with just really physical, tough, big, well coached kids, and that's why they've thrived. And so you look at Notre Dame, and you're like, he's going to have some guys with first round ability. And 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 you look at this incoming freshman class. I'm referring to not. I'm not even talking about Joe Alton, Blake Fisher. Yeah, not even the guys I'm that are currently about, playing. I'm talking yeah. about Charles Jagasaw, Sullivan Absher, guys like that. So I think offensive line wise, he's going to be he's going to have to be loving what he's seeing here. And then Notre Dame's going to always obviously always be able to continue that. But I think what he wants to do offensively does not require any sort of change of philosophy from a recruiting standpoint on the offensive line, which is very very important in my opinion. Very important. I figured that would probably be the case. I just wanted to hear it out of your mouth because if it's not out of your mouth, it's not true. So, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. Okay, uh, offensively, obviously. So let's go. Let's go wide receivers because this is, I think, where people like me. I, I'll be the first one at the head of this line that you know Notre Dame's going to still be young at wide receiver. Yeah, they've got guys that have two or three years under their belts, but from a production standpoint, they're still young. And, you know, what is that going to look like moving forward? Do we have any evidence that he's going to be able to get young guys on the field, number one, and to be successful, number two? And with the talent that Notre Dame has coming in, what does that look like? You're talking about wide receiver or just young guys in general? I would say wide receiver, but yeah. young guys in general can be that conversation yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I, I want to focus on the receivers. It's hard to say that answer, Vince, because okay. he hasn't recruited guys that necessarily have the talent coming into play to right be, away. Okay. That's what makes and, it. And a some of that bit. has to be with where yeah. he was. I mean, that's right. not that doesn't make him a right. bad recruiter, everybody. Well, just I know. saying that. But yeah, like Utah, like Ryan was calling me today all annoyed. And he was <laughs> like, uh, you know, some guy put on Twitter and he's like, you know, who Tommy Reese recruited who compared to what Andy Ludwig was recruited. And I'm like, if Tommy Reese wasn't blowing away Andy Ludwig from a recruiting standpoint, then Tommy Reese is a terrible recruiter. He's yes. at Notre Dame. Correct. Andy Ludwig's at Utah and it was at Vanderbilt before that, Wisconsin before that. Like if you're not blowing him away as a recruiter, then you stink. And so it's it's just an apples to oranges conversation. Now, I reached out to a guy yesterday um, that covers Utah and he said he's a pretty good recruiter. He's been involved in, in most of their top recruits in the last four years on offense. So that's, that's fine to see. Okay. But, but it's like their level of really good early recruit is a little different than the quality sure. that Notre Dame's getting. If we're, if we're going to be completely honest about that. So, it's really hard to say, Vince. It's really hard to say if if the system is is geared towards that from a looking at what they've done standpoint. Now, what what I would say is when I look at at the system that they run, it should be that way. I, I fully expect it to be that way. I mean, I I see no reason why they can't have success getting those guys the football and getting on the field early. So, I, you know, I, I think it's something that, that we should be able to see. I think it's something that that the transition is there because of the things that we've talked about, Vince, in regard to the type of talent that, that their type of system that he runs, meaning I don't need to teach Braylon James 87,000 different right. route side adjustments. Right, I'm teaching Braylon James how to line up, how to get out of a stance, how to beat the press, and how to run a curl route this way. That's what it comes down to. And so I think that, Vince, to me, and this is why we've called for what we've called for, make it be about the fundamentals and then make it be about learning this route concept because we've said, well, just teach a guy four routes. 
Well, that's right. fine. But if yeah, there's but... three different adjustments that may happen for each route, then it's you've now had to teach them 12, right. it's, you know, a bit hyperbolic there. So in this instance, Vince, it's like, okay, this is what your route is. So teach them the finer points of that route. Now, if a guy's good enough to play and you can only run three or four routes. And so you, you, let's use Braylon James, for example, because I think the reason I want to use Braylon is because to me, Braylon is by far the most raw route runner of the incoming freshman class. I think all the, the three other freshmen are actually pretty good route runners for younger guys. Mm-hmm. Braylon is the most raw, but you know what else Braylon is? He's the most explosive of the guys. He's got the most home run potential of the four receivers, in my opinion. So I'm nervous about Braylon James having any chance of playing as a freshman under the current system. I mean, if Tobias Merriweather oh, yeah. couldn't get on the field with the group that he was dealing with this year, then there was no chance for Braylon James to play as a freshman. Maybe that's still true. I don't know. But when I look at the type of system that he runs, it's you can teach him to say, here's a hitch, here's a comeback, here's a go, here's a post, here's a, a drag. It's five easy routes that I'm going to teach you to run. And you just teach him those, and Braylon can run those. Because there's not a ton. I mean, like the the route, the route side adjust for a, a, an over route is, okay, if the linebackers are sitting, you run right behind them. If their linebackers are bailing, you step on their toes and cross their faces, right? I mean, those are the things that you're that you're looking at, Vince. And that's a lot easier to teach than, uh, okay, now you're going to convert this to a corner route. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so those are the things that I look at and I say, I think that does set up, make it a little bit easier for younger players to play if they have the ability. When you have that kind of talent, you can better you can better adapt to what your players do. Yeah. And and I think that's something that can help can help that adjustment with these players, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I do think it fits at that in that regard. Do you, has Notre Dame recruited to a level where Ludwig can just plug them into what he wants to do. Oh yeah. I mean, especially with the freshman class, because that's what the focus is on, right? So the thing about the freshman class is, is I think the way he runs the offense, you do want some size on the outside. You don't need it, but it's preferred some size that can stretch the field. That's Braylon James. You know, that's Rico Flores. That's Jaden Greathouse, but he also runs a lot of jet sweeps and, and, and those type of things. And, and does a lot of movement, likes to get guys in space. Notre Dame doesn't have a ton of guys like that. Well, that's where Caleb Smith comes into play, the freshman version of Caleb Smith. And so to me, this offense is better when you've got a shifty guy because they'll do a lot of snag routes. They'll do uh, jet sweeps. They'll do uh, the perimeter screens. They'll do a lot of perimeter screens when he's got guys can do it. Uh, They run a lot of crossing routes. They run a lot of that kind of stuff that requires a receiver that's got a little bit of juice and a little bit of, of, of after-the-catch type of stuff. And so when you see those things, then to me, um, I want to see that, Vince, because I think that is where Caleb Smith fits in really well. So Great House fits in great. Braylon James fits in great. Uh, Rico fits in really well. And then I think Caleb Smith fits in. Like I'll say this. With Caleb Smith coming to Notre Dame, we were hoping that they would use him a certain way that we haven't really seen them use the receivers for, correct? With Caleb Smith now, he fits what they're already doing with what with what uh, Ludwig is already doing with his slot receivers and outside and his boundary field receivers, field outside receivers. It's already we already have film of it, of it fitting. So yeah. I think you actually I could make the case. Um, I think you could make the case, Vince, that you have a situation where the current group of incoming freshmen actually fits this system better than they fit the previous one of what we know they're going to do. Now you and I felt that Tommy Reese was recruiting them because he wanted to run a certain system sure. that he didn't feel he had the personnel to do. Otherwise why recruit those guys? Right. But my, my thing I would say is they already, we already have film and I, and I've used this example with Alizé Mack, right? Remember when Alizé Mack picked Notre Dame and, and, and flipped from UCLA, the thing that he had said to us in an interview one time when I was, I think it was at, uh, I think I was at rivals at the time. I can't remember, but he said, uh, when I went to Notre Dame, when I went to UCLA, they got on the board, they drew up all these cool things of how they wanted to use me. When I went to Notre Dame, they popped in film of Tyler Eifert and said, this is how we want to use you. He says, that was it for me. You know, he's like, they already know how to use me. They've already proven it. Yeah. These guys are, need to, to figure out how to do it. They haven't done it yet. And I think that's the thing for me is, is the difference is, is in this system, the receivers, I believe, fit better than they did before. 
and not like exponentially like oh my gosh these guys are not sure. going to be you know but it, it is a more natural fit hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It w- it w- it's a more natural fit for me. Good. No Good. Well, that's exciting for me because it just felt like, and and yes, I, I realized that it, it felt like, and I know you had more information than I did, that they were kind of recruiting to do some different things offensively when it comes to the wide receivers and things like that. But it just felt like we kept seeing the same thing. Oh, it was a groundhog day situation a lot of the times with the wide receivers. And I, I was getting frustrated at times. And, you know, I'm not saying that things are going to change because who knows. But, you know, if they do go this direction and there is change at the wide receiver position, that's going to be very exciting for me because it just felt like over the last, I'll even just say five to six years, there was just so much talent that just wasn't getting on the field. You know, for for whatever reason, and then when it did, were they using it the right way? And you know, and and a lot of it stemmed from, well, I just don't know if they can do it. I just don't, you know, I just don't know. You know, I just it excites me that there's going to be a possibility that that can change here in the near future. Well, and and Vince, the other thing that I would that I would look at too is is when we're having this conversation, right? Like here here's something to keep in mind. People ask, like, you know, why? Why am I making the case like, you know, it, boy, you know, you're sitting there trying to tell me that that that, you know, these guys are going to now fit into this system better. You know, my my first thought, if I was on the, the, the people here side of this conversation, I'd be like, uh, yeah, it sounds like a homer take for me. I'm just being real. That's what I would think. And so. Why are you saying that? It's the same reason we got so frustrated about why they weren't using the talent the way that they have been because we felt that the offensive talent was built for something different than really what they were using to do, which is the point you just made, Vince. And so look at the class of 2023. Utah offered Jeremiah Love. Utah offered Braylon James. Utah offered Rico Flores. Utah offered Cooper Flanagan. Hmm. So the only guy that he didn't offer, he didn't offer Caleb Smith, who was committed early, and he didn't offer Jaden Greathouse. I think we can all agree that Jaden Greathouse is going to be able to fit whatever offense he wants to play in. Right. So a lot of the guys that Notre Dame is bringing in, he offered, you know, when he was, when, when he was at Utah, these are going to be guys he has a familiarity with. And I'm hoping that that's one of the things that kind of gets him fired up about wanting to take this job is like, dude, I, you guys signed all these kids that we had no chance at like no chance at landing. And, and you guys have, have, have landed them. You know who else he offered in the 2022 class? Jadarian Price and Tobias Merriweather, mm-hmm. right? And so, again, you're talking about a lot of the foundation, Vince, that you and I think are going to be important to the future of the Notre Dame offense. And Andy Ludwig almost, and, and the offensive staff at Utah offered almost every single one of them. Well, that kind of matters, right? I mean, that, that's kind of a big piece of this. He offered Tyler Buckner. Okay, so I mean, so the point is, he knows these kids. He yeah. felt they fit his system. Right. He offered him a scholarship. Do you think he would have turned any of those kids down if they wanted to come to Utah? I don't think so. Yeah, and and so those are the things that I look at and I say that's something where you feel like, okay, this is and and if you talk about you know looking at it from his standpoint, it's like we had no chance with any of these kids, and now I go to a place where we can get all those kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there's something to be said for that. There is absolutely something to be said about that. So, so that's kind of why I say I think the fit is there, and I think the fit is actually even better for what he has already shown. I, I, I will say again, I think the a, a big part of 
Tommy Reese recruiting the way he recruited was because he was trying to build to something. He wanted to run something, but didn't feel he had the players to do it. I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay. But the point is this talent fits that. And, and Andy Ludwig is doing what you and I have always felt Notre Dame should be doing with the talent they've had and the offer list. Cause here's what would have got me nervous. A lot of the talent that Notre Dame has landed in the 22 and 23 classes on offense are from areas that Utah should be recruiting those guys. And if they didn't have Utah offers, I would be wondering why. Why didn't they have Utah offers? You know, that's a Pac-12 sure. school. It's not like they're Boise yeah. State. You don't waste your – but then you look and you say, well, no, almost every, sing, almost every single one of these kids from Missouri over had Utah offers. Okay, well, that means he knows these kids, and there was, there was clearly – he felt, they felt that those kids could fit what they do. And I think that's that's a it makes it a really to me a really a, a, a exciting, in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. If if this is the way that Notre Dame ends up going, and this is the direction that they end up going, and and we'll find out in the next few days or or whenever we find out what the next step is for Notre Dame. But it, it, it's 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 exciting. I mean, uh, just the possibilities and and all of those things. And that's not to say that I, I wasn't a Tommy Reese fan because there were a lot of things that Tommy sure. Reese did that I really liked. There were, but this is an opportunity for for Notre Dame and for Marcus Freeman to to make a splash and to kind of take control, not take control of the program. That's not necessarily what I mean. But this decision is going to shape the next few years and potentially his. Tenure as Notre Dame head coach. Vince, this was a, a really good point made by Joseph Voigt. I want to pull this up. Okay. He said, watching his film, referring to Andy Ludwig, he seems like a guy who we want Tommy to be, or when Tommy was his best, he was. Maybe a little simpler in certain areas, but in a good way. I, I think a, that nails it, Vince. That's a really good way to put it. it. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Because I, as I was thinking about the things that Ludwig was doing, we've seen some of those things from Reese. And that's when we get back on board and we're so excited and all of those, you know, and then we kind of get let down at times. And and I think that's the most disappointing part of a lot of what the Tommy Reese tenure as offensive coordinator was. It was like, hey, man, there's flashes, there's potential, there's, you know, he is a smart guy and all of those different things. We'll see how he does it his next stop. But this is about Notre Dame and what they're going to do and what what the next opportunity is for Notre Dame and what this offense is going to be. So it's exciting. I think with the 24 class, two Vince, I think C.J. Carr we talked about. I think that Cam Williams is a very, very natural fit for this offense. Uh, Jack Larson, he likes tight ends that have different skill sets, very smooth transition. Like what Notre Dame looked for in tight ends and what Utah looked for in tight ends is very, very, very similar. And, and so the Cooper and Jack Larson fit there. Peter Jones fits it well, you know, as a, as a right tackle guard player. So I, I honestly don't see any of the offensive players in these two classes that aren't good fits. Some are better than others. Yeah. I, 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 I wonder about my, uh, about Aeneas Williams a tad. Okay. But then I think, but you know, he really does fit a lot of how they used Micah Bernard the last two years, who was kind of their number two, number three back at times. You know, he was the kid, if you remember Vince in the Rose Bowl a year ago, against Ohio State was playing running back and corner. If, if you remember that, cause they, cause they were so injured at cornerback. So I remember that. I, I think that he's, he fits the Aeneas Williams a, a little bit more, but I would also say that maybe he hasn't had a guy like Aeneas, you know? And, and, and so I think that, that might point to it a little bit as well is part of the reason he hasn't done that is because he hasn't got had guys that, that necessarily have his unique skill set, And so I think that factors into the, to the conversation a little bit as well. So that's kind of the recruiting part, right, Vince? I mean, yeah. that kind of that kind of takes takes care of that. I think the fit is there, I, and I and I the other thing too is I don't think you need to change your board right. at this point in time. Like, and that's part of the thing we like about this move is we wanted to hire in the perfect world. We wanted a situation where you were bringing in a coach to say make the transition as smooth as possible, and I think that's. This does what it on a lot is. of different levels. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of different is. levels. You bring in experience at the offensive coordinator position. You bring in experience coaching every single offensive position except offensive line. You bring in somebody who's who who shows that they are willing to adapt to what Notre Dame does from a personnel standpoint already. And like you said, you don't have to change your recruiting board. 
because right. you're still going to go after the same type of guys that you were going after to begin with. Guys that Andy Ludwig was going after that are now at Notre Dame. I mean, that that's a pretty great scenario if you're Andy Ludwig, if he ends up taking this job, if they end up offering it to him, being like, man, I had this, this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid. I wanted all these kids to be a Ute, but they went Irish, and now I get to coach them. And that's a great situation. <laughs> right. So right. it's exciting. So we'll it, see. We'll see. I mean, we'll obviously, see. they got to they gotta convince him to make this move. I don't think it's going to be easy. Look, he, as we mentioned at the, at the very beginning of the show, he's a Utah native. He has had two stints yeah. at Utah now. Uh, there's a reason for that. You know, you've got a guy like Kyle Winningham that's been there forever. There's a comfort level there. So, I mean, I get all that stuff. I get why it may be hard to sell. But I also think the competitive coaches are always looking for that unique challenge. And I think Notre Dame is certainly a unique challenge. And it's a unique uh, it's a unique opportunity, a unique situation. Now, we'll find out if Andy Ludwig believes that it's worth it to make that move. We'll find that out, Vince. And I don't have an answer to that. I hope, I hope he does, and I hope it works out because – you know, as you know, he was certainly in that top group of candidates that we looked for uh, when he when this yes. first thing got put together. He was I mean, top tier for me, right? And I I made that real clear. Like he is, he was one of the three top tier guys. And I said, if you hire any one of those top three guys, it's a home run. It's an absolute mm-hmm. home run. So if if Notre Dame can seal the deal here, if Andy Ludwig wants to come to Notre Dame and and the deal is sealed and signed, sealed, delivered, all that fun stuff, whatever cliche you want to use, it's a home run. That's an absolute home run, and from a hiring standpoint, then we get to see what he does when he puts on the Notre Dame polo, and I'm sure we'll get to criticize you know, all, everything that he does, and we'll have fun with that. But uh, it's exciting to me what the possibilities are from a hiring standpoint based on what we know. So that's that part of the show, Vince. Yes. So Let's dive into the final part of it, right? Yes, that's Time right. To talk some uh, SEC and, and Big 12 and all this other kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. So we're, we're going to dive into a little college football talk here. And uh, it's amazing to me how many accounts some people can have on YouTube. Well, I think I've got there. them all blocked now. <laughs> so. It's unbelievable, man. Gosh. Hey, I got to give myself credit, man. <laughs> a couple of those times I blocked them. It was while I was in the middle of making, yes. I, I thought, some really good points. Uh, oh, uh, there is a question I want to get to before we get to the college football. Okay. Game. Sounds uh, good. Somebody, Detroit, I think it's a very good question. Detroit Center, uh, Detroit Hunter said, Brian, have you watched any game, any of the games where Utah's offense has struggled the past few years? I always do that when I'm doing a deep dive. I think you have to. I think if you only look at, like, if I watch, like, the Southern right. Utah game, the, you know what I mean? They're playing, like, bad teams and put up, like, 700 yards. No, I always do. It's so, like one of the games that I broke down from this year is the Oregon game. Yeah. And 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 they did not play well on all. Well, they did, just didn't execute really well. There was some stuff there. They just had trouble consistently hitting open guys. They they had trouble uh, running the football the same way they always did. Cameron Rising had a really rough game. And so yeah, you break those down and you kind of see okay, what what were the, what were the efficiency issues? Why did he have the turnover right. problems in that game? You know, you watch the Rose Bowl against Penn State when the offense struggled and say okay. Uh, well, why, what happened after the quarterback got hurt? Why couldn't he get things going after the quarterback got hurt? And you look at those things. So I think that's always part of it. And and it's not what I do at the beginning. So when I'm so there's kind of two phases, Vince. Right, at the very beginning is just kind of okay. Let me just watch some games. You know, I want to see kind of what, what it looks like. Good. You know, almost mm-hmm. like watching a highlight tape. So let me watch a couple of the good games. Then when I do like a more of a deep dive, that's when you start breaking down. So you'll break down. Okay. Well, this game they were really pass heavy and, and not run he- and, and run light. They weren't balanced. Let me watch that one. This game they didn't throw the ball very well, but man, they ran for a ton of yards. Let me watch that one. See why what I saw. Uh, this game, boy, they really struggled offensively. Let me watch that and see why. Boy, this game they ripped this team apart. Let me let me break it down and see why. So, I think to really get a good feel for for what a coach is about, you've got to watch him on his best days and on his worst days, and 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 try to get some in between. So I think it's a great question yeah. and and because every offense struggles. And the reason it's a matter is to look at those games, Vince, because you have to say, okay, the offense really struggled. You know, like let's look at like last year, for example, and talk about the games that Utah struggled. It wasn't many. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. they weren't great against San Diego State statistically, but then you watch the game and you realize like it was a lot of like short fields. You know, they, 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 they were, they were dealing with, um, playing a really bad football team and so 
they were they were in a lot of situations where they didn't have to really move the ball down sure. the field a whole lot, yeah. right? Let's say fair. you break that one down and you're like, okay, let, let's check that one out and, and check that box, right? You know, then there's some some other games that didn't necessarily have great games, Washington State. And you, you break down why. Uh, you break down the Oregon game. Why that why didn't they do great there? You you break down the second half of the Utah game or the Penn State game. You say, why didn't they do there? And then what you're looking for is okay, was this just a bad game, which every coach has, or is there a pattern? Teams that do this give a coach problems. Teams that do that give a coach problems. Mm-hmm. And then you have to project it to, okay, well, he had three bad games, and they were all against teams that did this. Well, then you look to the Notre Dame schedule and you say, boy, they play seven teams next year that do that. Or they don't play anybody that does that. And that's got to factor into it, yeah. right? Is is Kent, Okay, they play twice as many teams that do the thing he struggles with at Notre Dame than they did at Utah. Okay, so why did he struggle? Is it a schematic problem? Is it a teaching problem? Or is it just because that team happens to have way better players? Those are all things you have to look at to really sure. do a deep dive. And so I think it's a very fat, uh, just a great question, Dietro Hunter. And and that's those are the things that you look at. And a lot of times you'll find is is teams that that could really whip Utah up front in the trenches gave them some problems. Yeah, because he doesn't have a very athletic line. It's a it's a big physical, uh, pretty stiff line. That's just the kind of guys they were physical. There. Yeah. So like for example, Oregon is a really quick, twitchy type of front seven. They bring a lot of stunts and pressures, and Penn State brings a lot of heat defensively. And Utah just doesn't have the dynamic playmaker quarterback or the um, sort of the, the the speed up front to handle that. You know, a 13-personnel-oriented team is just not going to thrive there. They didn't have the receivers to make Penn State pay for it. So you say, okay, well, what if you had Notre Dame's players? They have more Ability that they have take the top off the, the field guys. They have the six five one on one guys that when Penn State's loading the box and just bringing that pressure, they can bang a back shoulder to that he didn't have a Penn State. And he didn't have Dalton Kincaid in that game either. His best player sat out that game for the NFL, like Michael Mayer did. And Utah doesn't have a Mitchell Evans ready to just throw in there. They had good tight ends, but he's not to the same level Dalton Kincaid was. And then when you can combine the fact that they don't have the receiver talent Notre Dame does or the running back talent that Notre Dame does or the quarterback talent Notre Dame does, it created some problems. And so I think that's what happened in that game. So those teams that had a lot of speed that could whoop his offensive line just athletically gave him some problems. So that's something you look at. Okay, is that going to be an issue at Notre Dame? Not really. Notre Dame handles that type of thing much better up front because of the talent that they have. And they have receivers that can make you pay for that a little bit more. And do you have a quarterback that can – I mean, because there were some missed, throw, missed opportunities in that bowl game where, where Cameron Rising either didn't throw it or or missed that you, you think Sam Hartman can make. Because Sam Hartman is just a better quarterback than Cameron Rising. And quite a bit better quarterback in my opinion. So very, very good question. And and um, hopefully that gives some insight on, on how we look at it. But also I would encourage how yeah. you all look at it. You know, go to cfbstats.com. You can see you go game by game and see kind of what they did. Find the th- two or three best games they had. Find the two or three worst games they had. Check them out and watch them. I think those are always great ways to look at at uh, when you're breaking it. Uh, and you do that with high school kids too, Vince. When I was actually, I, I don't know necessarily always do it now, but when I was like offer when I was looking to offer a kid, if I can only have two games from a kid, give me his best game, his worst game. Give me those two. Those are the first two games I'm going to watch. Best game, worst game. Right, And I think those are ways that you – because a lot of times, too, is you want to see how a coach does. Does he make adjustments? Sure. Did he abandon his his game plan too early? Those are all things that you look for in those games. And I didn't see any red flags when I broke those games down. I saw those are the games where his teams just simply didn't have good enough players and his quarterback was not accurate enough to make those other teams pay is really what it came down to for me. I, I always wonder what it, what it's like for, for a coach who – you know, you're just banging your head against the wall, sometimes recruiting against a school or whatever, and you you just lose more battles than you win. And then all of a sudden you get a job offer from a, that school. And all of a sudden you have all those players that you're, you were sitting back, and, you know, on a Sunday afternoon daydreaming about what they would look like in your offense. Like, ah, oh, this is never going to happen. You know, if only I was this, if only I was that. If only I was here, if only I was there. And then you walk into a situation like this, you know, the potential of Andy Ludwig walking into Notre Dame and seeing all of these guys who he at one point 
imagined in his offense because he offered those guys, right? I mean, that's not a far stretch to say that. He imagined these guys in his offense, and now he has the opportunity to coach a slew of these guys and to see what in his mind, what his offense could be with the talent that Notre Dame has. It's just what what a what a cool opportunity, man. What a what a what a cool situation potentially for Andy Ludwig to be in and to be courted by Notre Dame and to have that that chance to to fit all of those pieces into his puzzle. Like that, to me, that would be uber exciting, yeah. you know, from a coaching standpoint. So we'll see what happens. If that ends up happening, if they can make it, if they can make it work, if that's the direction Notre Dame wants to go, if that's the direction that Andy Ludwig wants to go, so we'll see. Hopefully, in the next few days, and uh, if it does, fingers crossed. I'm excited. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.